good morning from a fairly chilly summer's morning over in England. I've been here since early on in March when I came over intending to stay for about five weeks and to have my family join me over here uh, because my dad had been diagnosed with mesothelioma, which is the cancer uh, caused by asbestos, breathing in asbestos dust. And he'd been given three months. So we were coming over as a family to spend time with him and for the um, children and Phil to say their goodbyes and then go home. And I was hoping to come back um, for the end to help. But obviously, early March, the world was turned on its head by this coronavirus. And, um, and so we changed our plans. We decided that uh, my family wouldn't come. And we decided that it was best that I actually stayed here because mum and dad had gone into isolation. So I went into isolation too. And we just knew that um, it would be too hard um, for mum caring for dad in isolation when you're trying to avoid hospitals and you're not really wanting to get carers in because you don't know where else they've been. And um, yeah, it was hard, but I chose that we knew that it was right that I should stay. And so um, here I am still in June. Uh, we stayed and... Um, just were able to care for dad in his last weeks and sadly he died on the 11th of May. My brother and sister moved in for the last week so that we could do round-the-clock caring for him. So then we waited again because obviously there are so many deaths over here uh, that we couldn't get a date for the cremation till tomorrow for me which is uh, Tuesday the 9th, it's Monday today. And so we have that tomorrow and then hopefully I'm going to be flying back over to home to Australia on tomorrow for you, which is Monday. I'm just waiting to hear whether the flight is still going to happen. And then after my two weeks in quarantine, after nearly four months, I'll finally be back with my family and more available over there with my church family too. These are strange times on a big scale. The bushfires weren't that long ago. Um, the pandemic, um, all these mass protests over racial equality, they're strange times. But they're strange times for many of us in our everyday lives, too. And we've been exploring that, I know, at NCR over the last months as we've been thinking about this idea of being cooped up. And as you'll have already heard this morning, today we're thinking about grief and about loss. I imagine that many of us have experienced loss over those last um, weeks, whether it's that you've missed an event, you've missed maybe a special birthday, Maybe you've missed hanging out with uh, people that you love hanging out with or you care for. Maybe you've missed just regular activities that you normally do in life. Maybe you've missed um, and you're grieving because your loss has been financial, a loss of a job or loss of income in some way. Maybe this time of isolation and, and lockdown has actually caused you to reflect more and you think back to dreams you had and that's not what your life is and there's disappointment and feelings of pain. Maybe you've had time to observe relationships or you're even in one yourself that's not as easy or as good as you'd hoped and there's grief in that. I know there are people in our church family who are experiencing illness and sickness and pain and there is grief in that too. And I know there's other people in our community too who have lost close loved ones um, in these last few weeks and are also caught up in how do we celebrate their life, how do we remember them with all the restrictions that are in place. And I imagine that there are some of you who have sailed through and have quite enjoyed this time of lockdown too. Well, I hope that this morning that there will be something that I'm able to share that will be of, be of use to you 
whether it's to do with grief that you've experienced in the past, whether it's to do with uh, grief that you're experiencing now, or whether it's to do with grief that is to come for you, because grief is to come for all of us. One of the things that I've always loved doing with my dad is walking. I've spoken on it before. As children, we would walk most, as family, we'd walk most Sunday afternoons. And through the many years since then, I've often been on many walks with my dad. And I've loved them. They're fond memories. And I was pondering in um, March and April, I would go just up the road a bit with dad. They were slow with many stops, these walks. And then finally pushing him around in a wheelchair. And I was trying to think, what is it that I have loved about these walks? And I realised it wasn't necessarily the conversation. I don't remember very many conversations at all. Most of them are just everyday, normal conversations. I think it was just his presence, just being with him. He always knew where to go. I never remember getting lost. He was able to protect us if there were wild animals in England that were not happy with our presence. I remember encounters with peacocks and geese and a bull and a deer as well. He was a protective presence. He made walking fun. We'd be climbing things and exploring things and jumping on and over things as we went. And I knew all the time that he loved me. He loved my family and he loved spending time walking with us. And so as we explore this topic of grief and of loss, I realise that I only actually have one point. There's only one thing I really want to say. And that applies to whether our grief is small, whether our grief is large, or whether our grief is yet to come. And that is walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. I'll unpack it in a few ways, but that's my simple point. It may be that you actually are sitting there thinking, well, I don't even know what I think of Jesus yet. Can I encourage you, please, to listen in over these next minutes that we share together? Because I truly believe that if we walk with Jesus, have Jesus beside us in life, it has a profound impact on our life, and especially when we're going through grief and loss. So who is this Jesus that I'm encouraging us to walk with? A description of him that's found throughout the Bible is of him being a shepherd, a good shepherd. Let, you re- let me read you Psalm 23, which is a great description of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He settles me down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He brings me back. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for the length of my days. So this description shows us that Jesus cares. Shepherds in ancient Middle Eastern times would be able to go to a large gathering of sheep, including their own sheep, and just call out their tune or their whistle, um, their song to the sheep, 
and their own sheep would know their voice, hear them, and would come out and follow the shepherd. And they would follow the shepherd because in some sort of simple way, they would know that the shepherd takes care of them. Jesus cares. That he would lead them, as we read, to places where there is good pasture and that they can eat their fill. He would lead them to still waters where they can drink. He would lead them to safe places where they can settle down and sleep. We know that shepherds used to carry staff. This is as close as I can get to being um, a shepherd's staff. You just have to imagine a little bit more bend here. And as they would be going along with their sheep, who were generally behind them, but sometimes it would be tricky where they were walking and they would just be able to use their staff just to keep them in line. And shepherds had a, an amazing skill with um, this bit at the top. If a sheep got in danger, they'd be able to hook them out and fish them out of danger. We know that shepherds would um, go looking for their sheep too. They would take great care of their sheep. And Jesus cares. Jesus protects. We read that the shepherd also carried a rod. I always think of this whenever I think of a rod. I think it would be more wooden than this, more like a wooden club. But a shepherd carried a rod because they had to protect their sheep. There were animals wilder than the animals of England over there. There would be lions and, and bears and and all sorts of wild creatures. And so they would carry this rod. There would be thieves too. The shepherd would protect his sheep for the sake of his sheep, but his for his own name's sake too, for his reputation as a good shepherd too. The shepherd would care and the shepherd would protect. Jesus cares and Jesus protects. Jesus also knows he knows that there are valleys of the shadow of death. He knows that there are dark valleys that have to be gone through in life. It's an inevitable part of our life. And if when we read the accounts of Jesus' life, we know he knows what grief is. Uh, there's no talk of his father in later years. He must have lost his father. We know that he loses his friend and cousin, John the Baptist, and that that um, causes him to want to withdraw from people. There is grief there for him. We read how he weeps as he thinks about his people, the people of Israel, how he weeps over them as he considers um, where, the, where they are, how they're doing at that time. We know that he weeps over his friends too. And we know as well that as he heads towards his own death, that um, there is great pain for him, knowing what he will have to go through. And then the pain of his own death and the separation from his father. And that when Jesus comes back again, rises again, Jesus knows. He knows what grief and loss are. Jesus has emotion. And Jesus leads. He invites us to follow him. And he invites us to follow him through the valley of grief and out the other side. After loss and grief, life may never be the same again. But it can be good again. It may be, and for many of us, that good again will come this side of death. For some, it may be through the other side of death. Of death. But life can be good again as we follow Jesus. So this is who Jesus is, who invites us to walk with him. So what difference does it make 
when we walk with Jesus, when we're going through grief and loss. I'd like to show you a little bit. Mum, can you come and help me? My mum is going to represent Jesus for us. So there's your rod and your staff. Be careful with that one, please. Um, so Jesus, he cares, he protects, he knows, and he leads as we walk alongside of him. As I have lived my life alongside mum at different times through my days, she has rubbed off on me. I think in some ways we're fairly alike. And because I'm her daughter, I have her genes in me. As I live my life alongside Jesus, he rubs off on me. I hope that I am becoming more and more like him. And because I am his and he is mine, I have his Holy Spirit in me. And so as I go through the valley of darkness or go through grief, and I know that Jesus doesn't send me on any detours. He knows that we have to go um, through these valleys at time. I know that as I go through these valleys, that Jesus is beside me and he loves me. And so I lean into him. <laughs> you might do that. And so I lean into him at these times. You can go now. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. And so as I go um, through grief, I might cry, and yet alongside that, I have hope. I have hope um, that there is goodness, hope for the future. As I go through grief, I may feel numb. I may feel down. But because I walk with Jesus, I can experience his comfort. I can know that I am held by him. As I go through grief, I may feel angry and um, rant and rave, which is okay. And as I walk through um, life with Jesus and through it with Jesus, I have him beside me and he listens and he loves me. He hears what I have to say. In grief, because I walk with Jesus, I can know strength and I can know peace. In grief and in the darkness, he reminds me of what was good and what is good and so I can be thankful thankful to him I watched um, an interview with Rick and Kay Warren who are pastors over in America and they lost their son he took his own life and they um, shared a bit about um, their experiences of grief and loss and Kay spoke in that interview how every day this was back in 2013 but every day still um, as she goes through life, she carries uh, both mystery. She has so many questions. She has so many um, things that she doesn't have answers for, the mysteries of suffering. And yet alongside this, every day, she carries hope because she walks with Jesus. They spoke um, to both of them of the fact that uh, grief does change you. And, um, and yet, uh, because they're walking through with Jesus, they have come to see that life can be good. Again, it may never be the same, but it can be good. And so we keep walking and it can be hard. But over time, we walk to a better place, a place where we can be healed and restored and things can be good again. So practically, what does it look like to walk with Jesus as we're experiencing grief and loss? I'd really encourage you, even if you're not in a stage of grief, to walk with Jesus now, 
because it means when grief and loss comes, you're in that habit of doing that, to start walking by uh, taking moments to pause in your day, moments to pause and look at the beauty of the worlds around you and be thankful, moments to just speak out to God what you're thinking and listen to what he says. We call this praying. Moments of opening uh, your Bible and reading some of the beautiful truths that he has there. I know many of you have walked with Jesus for years. So practically, what does it look like when we're going through grief to do this? I think, firstly, it's really important that we accept that it is okay to go through grief. In fact, it's really important if there's been loss that we go through the process, the stages of grief, walking with Jesus so that we can come out the other side. Jesus accepts grief and so we can accept it too. I think it matters that we recognise that it's a journey, that um, it is a valley and probably the greater the pain that there is, the longer the valley will be. It's different for different people, but that's fairly likely. And as it's a journey, um, it means that um, we move on and move on. But I think there are times that take us by surprise when we experience grief. There are times we feel like we're going backwards uh, in grief. There are times um, that we feel like uh, we've been in this stage a long time. But as long as we're willing to keep going, to keep grieving, because we don't want to get stuck in grief. We know that if we just sit down, we don't get through the valley. We have to keep walking. And if we get stuck, it can um, cause bitterness inside of us. And this bitterness is like a poison within us that um, that grows and actually destroys more life than we've already lost. If we get stuck, we can also experience hopelessness and despair. And that also destroys more life than we've already lost. So please can I encourage you to continue through the stages and the process of grief is that if that's where you are and if you actually think I think I am actually stuck can I really encourage you to actually contact the church office or email me if you'd like and um, we will stand alongside you we will pray for you um, and if you um, we consider that it, it would be really helpful to get professional help we can recommend really good professional help so please do that draw close to Jesus to God to take whatever it is you are feeling, whether it's guilt or sadness, weeping, groaning, um, anger, disappointment, take whatever it is and find some space, find some time and pour that wholeheartedly out to God, whether you write it, whether you shout it, whether you draw it or sing it or speak it out to God. Because I know that God wants us to come to him. What breaks his heart far more is when he sees us in our grief, turn our backs on him and walk away. I know that that breaks his heart. Practically, it really helps to find others to stand with us in our grief too, to find people that we know will be helpful for us um, in our grief and maybe just shut away a little bit for those that might not be helpful for us. And hopefully you'll find people that can represent um, Jesus for you, standing close beside you, listening to you, praying for you as well. It may be that someone draws close to you in their grief. And can I give you Rick and Kay Warren's advice if they do that? And it's that presence matters. It's not your words so much, it's your presence that really matters. They um, agree that the greater the pain, the fewer words there should be. They gave up very early in their grief trying to cheer the other one 
up because it was so unhelpful for them. It was just their presence they were after. Be present in the pain and ask Jesus to help you as you do that. And so I hope that there has been one moment or one thought in our time that encourages you, whatever stage you're at, to step closer to Jesus and to choose to walk with him. Because I do believe as we're going through grief and loss, I believe that we need Jesus beside us. And so to close, I thought we could take a little moment to pause and reflect and ask God some questions. I'll speak out some questions and you can just quietly in your heart ask them to Jesus. It may be that you've got others around you and you just want to shut your eyes and open your hands. It may be you want to put this on pause and come back to it um, later on to do this when you've got peace by yourself. But let's just take a moment now and pause as we close this time together. God, is there grief or loss that I'm holding today? Jesus, where are you as I hold this grief? God, is there anything that you want to show me or say to me at this moment? Holy Spirit, please fill me. Please help me to draw nearer to Jesus. Help me to walk with Jesus through my days. Help me to experience all that he has for me at this time. Amen.